Um, I'm very grateful to the CF Research Institute for inviting me to this podcast. Um, I myself, I'm originally from Pakistan. My name is Ali Akbar. I come from the Punjab part of Pakistan, uh, and I moved to the UK in my uh, teenage years, uh, early teenage years, and that was because of the better educational opportunities abroad, and my parents thought that perhaps would be the better place for me. So I actually moved to the UK at the age of 14, um, when I hadn't yet completed my matriculation in Pakistan. So it's a sort of a very practical joke going around that I'm not even um, completed my secondary school in education, and how can I be a doctor? Um, without people realizing, yes, but the rest of my life was spent in the UK studying as well. Um, so I came to the UK nearly 49 years ago, so it's just uh, nearly half a century. Uh, and here I went into school, did my usual secondary school education completed, went to the college and university, and I graduated in 1985 as a doctor. Uh, and my family wanted me to be a doctor, uh, and I think most of the families in Pakistan want their children to either become doctors, engineers, lawyers, or some professionals. Um, and I think that was the drive uh, behind me becoming a doctor. My parents wanted me to become a doctor as well, and so did I. Um, and I had, uh, during my 14 years in Pakistan, seen the suffering of some of the people in Pakistan and the lack of uh, healthcare in Pakistan. And that was a motivation for me as well to go into medicine. And um, I was glad um, that I made it. Uh, my parents were very happy when I qualified. And um, I then trained uh, in the UK. Uh, I never worked in Pakistan uh, since uh, I left Pakistan in 1974. And I've been here in the UK since. And um, I trained uh, to become what's called a general practitioner, um, which is um, what 50% of the doctors in the UK are. And they, they basically have families registered with them and the families go and see them. So I, I became a general practitioner. But through my general practitioner training uh, and also my interest in pediatrics right from the beginning, because that's where I saw a lot of children suffering in Pakistan before I came to the UK, my interest was always in pediatrics. And uh, I wanted to um, specialize in pediatrics. So after having completed my training in general practice, I then changed my specialty and I started training in pediatrics. And whilst I was doing that, um, I had the um, research opportunity uh, to subspecialize and, and that's where I went into the pediatric respiratory medicine. And within that, we were the regional center for cystic fibrosis looking after about 350 patients in the West Midlands in the UK. And so there was a great opportunity for me to um, develop my skills in learning um, cystic, about cystic fibrosis. Uh, and that's where my research was in the uh, CF world at that time with the pulmozyme, um, which you have DNAs, donase alpha. Uh, in uh, that time, I, I did study to look into the effects of that in children with um, mild lung disease. Uh, and then I did further research uh, in cystic fibrosis. And that's how my interest in cystic fibrosis uh, developed and then qualified as a, a dual accreditation, both in general pediatrics and pediatric respiratory medicine, and especially cystic fibrosis. And I carried on with working with cystic fibrosis uh, since then, and I think it's since 
1996 or thereabouts. So it's, it's a long, long journey um, with cystic fibrosis over a quarter of a century. Uh, and whilst I was doing cystic fibrosis, um, I came across uh, families from Asia and Pakistan, for example, with cystic fibrosis. And there is a, a small uh, minority uh, of the population in the UK from the Indian subcontinent. And seeing these patients come from that, I thought there's a huge population out there in the subcontinent, both India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and thereabout. So there must be a lot more patients out there with cystic fibrosis. And, and this is where my interest started growing, looking into our own community with cystic fibrosis in our own country. And um, during one of my guest lectures in Pakistan for the Pakistan Pediatric Association in 2004, I talked about cystic fibrosis in Pakistan at that time. And at that time, there was very little knowledge about the condition in Pakistan. There were very few studies in Pakistan and there were only um, poster presentation type things and not the mega um, sort of research projects. And they were looking into the CF and the genotypes in there, and there were only about one third of the patients they could identify with the commonest gene that we know about, the Delta F508, and the two thirds had other mutations. So the mutation-wise and genotype-wise and possibly the phenotype-wise, how people presented was all different. And that's how I started developing my links with Pakistan to see where these patients are. Uh, and during my visits to Pakistan, which uh, I did quite frequently once or twice uh, a year, I was linking in with my medical colleagues in Pakistan, whom I've never worked with, but I've gotten through the Pakistani Pediatric Association and through Pakistani conferences, et cetera. I met them and we discussed about cystic fibrosis. And there's a huge number of patients out there in Pakistan with cystic fibrosis. Uh, and the majority of those, for example, those I know are from um, Karachi. And Karachi is a, a huge big country, the largest uh, city in, in Pakistan. And they got a huge number of CF patients. Um, and there are sort of uh, intermarriages in, in Pakistan. There's the cousin marriages and certain communities in Karachi that they do not marry outside their own families. And therefore the gene pool within those families is huge. Although nationally, there may not be large number of patients and compared to, for example, the UK, where we think there may be one in 25 patients with the CF mutation, a carrier, is calculated based on the UK and United States number that it is probably one in 90 in Pakistan. So it's probably about 25% um, of what we know in the UK. But when you have a mutation, a gene, which causes CF within a family, and there are then the cousin marriages, then the incidence and episodes of CF patients within that family obviously rises. So there are families, and we got um, our groups with two, and there are some families with three children with cystic fibrosis in Pakistan. And because there are other things that are going on in Pakistan with malnutrition, um, early childhood deaths with respiratory infections. Um, cystic fibrosis hasn't been um, one of the things on the list of the differential diagnosis to think about or to exclude. Um, so people being treated symptomatically, for example, if they got pneumonia, they'll get a cough mixture, they'll get uh, antibiotics, et cetera, they'll get better, they'll go, they'll get infection again, and they'll get the same treatment. 
And these patients over the time um, would obviously have their uh, lungs damaged uh, and they pass away. And in a passing away is thought, oh, well, they passed with a chest infection and nobody will know the diagnosis. And certainly a lot of the places, even the death certificates are not done or death certificates don't require you to have the diagnosis to, to pass away. So the data, et cetera, and all these differences in the health care are totally different. So people did not really know why they're dying, why they were malnourished, uh, because there is gastroenteritis happening quite commonly, there's malnutrition happening in Pakistan, and they were the priorities for the healthcare system there rather than looking at cystic fibrosis, um, which they never even thought about. And so when I started talking about cystic fibrosis at different conferences, um, and people then used to associate me every time I was, they saw me at the conference, they said, oh, you're going to talk about the cystic fibrosis, aren't you? Uh, and in a way, it was nice that they remembered me uh, and associating with cystic fibrosis, but secondly, also that they were started thinking about CF as well. And to the extent that whenever somebody was then being admitted with pneumonia and malnourished, so in a failure to thrive, they will think about cystic fibrosis. And I think that's a, a great achievement. Uh, I know it's taken about 15, 20 years for it to happen, but the cultural changes always take a long time and the mindsets take a long time to actually change but I'm pleased that things are getting through uh, and these are happening at the moment that I'm interacting with lots of medical colleagues in Pakistan. We now have set up a WhatsApp group which has been running for seven, eight years now. We got about 250 members in there with about 130 odd uh, patients with cystic fibrosis in that group. And we're pleased to know that we got quite a few adults now as well as a late diagnosis. Um, who are now coming. There was a girl uh, just about 23 years of age who diagnosed two years ago, and all her life she has been treated as asthma. Um, but so this is the sort of things that we have people thinking now, oh, you know, what we've been treating asthma or maybe celiac disease, these patients probably got some uh, cystic fibrosis or something different, and they now started thinking about it. One of the things I think um, that behind this late diagnosis, for example, like this 23-year-old girl who diagnosed two years ago, and I've got another 30-year-old who diagnosed in Germany when he went to do the pH there, and they did on nasal potential differences, even his mutations, they don't pick up, but nasal potentials that picked up. And he has three other siblings who got exactly the same um, symptoms as well. Um, so, Late diagnosis with rare mutations, people are living there, they are older, and they're probably there quite a lot there, which we haven't met yet. Um, and the late diagnosis purely one, people that includes the medical profession are not aware of the cystic fibrosis in Pakistan, or they were not aware, but now they are thinking more about it. And secondly, if even they weren't to diagnose, they thought about it, that diagnostic uh, facilities were not available, the sweat test wasn't available, the fecal last days to look at pancreatic insufficiency wasn't available, or they were very expensive. The genotype, as I said, one third will have Delta 508, and that was initially the commonest uh, mutation they were finding, and, and only one they could test for. But now the work is expanding. Now they are offering extended panels um, but some of those are still linked in with the United States, for example. So Aga Khan Hospital in Karachi, they will take the samples, they'll send them to uh, America for processing. It costs them at the moment, I think it's about $250, which is a huge amount of sum for Pakistani families. And so people sometimes don't actually um, have the genetic testing. 
I've been lucky enough to link in with some of my colleagues in Pakistan who as part of their projects have been doing the inborn errors of metabolism studies and um, linked with Germany, for example, and they've been able to provide this facility free to some of uh, the children that I've been sending to them to test for cystic fibrosis. And some of these families through that service have also benefited from the antenatal diagnosis for their future pregnancies. Uh, and I think that's been very helpful. Um, and talking to different colleagues and communities, the interest has been raised that now we actually have some research people looking into cystic fibrosis mutations in Pakistan. And recently we just had a PhD student who wanted to look into genotypes of the CF patients. And she has worked with myself and the local genetics labs to um, look at what sort of mutation other than Delta F508 these patients may have. And so currently there's a lot of work doing uh, at the moment. So certainly things are getting better. Diagnostics are becoming available, although at a very high cost at the present time. Um, and we're trying to see if we can develop the testing uh, in, within the country ourselves as compared to sending March to Germany or United States where it costs people quite a lot of money. Um, so it was one of that thing was the actual training of the doctors there to make them not only aware, but train them into cystic fibrosis and work with them. And second was um, then to support the families. And that's not only the education, but have the multidisciplinary clinics there as well to promote, like I said, there's now one started in Lahore, for example. So have more um, centers in Pakistan offering cystic fibrosis care to these families. And thirdly, to support them financially as well. So it's not through medical support or looking after the medical reasons, but also their um, support financially. And that would only be possible with some sort of uh, um, charity, which we've talked about within our own um, group. And we, in fact, already donate to that. Unfortunately, to set up what's called the NGO, the non-governmental organization, which charity is hugely difficult nowadays in Pakistan, because of all the frauds that happen and people run away with families and with the money, et cetera, and all that. So I've been sort of uh, using my contacts within our own group, the trustworthy people, rather people. So I, for example, may donate, the other people may donate into that person. And we actually funding some of the creons and some of the medications for people who can't afford already. We're doing that already uh, as part of our group, but it is not hugely advertised because we are not able to sustain that, to provide that service to everybody. So we talk to the CF families as they come and join our group. I talk to them. I ask the ladies within the group who can talk to the mothers of the children better than me, because men sometimes don't want to admit that they can't afford it. Um, so sometimes coming to the families, the mothers is more appropriate. So we, we do have some insight into the families and a lot of them can't afford the medications, for example. So we where possible, provide them free Creon, for example, when we can get them. So that charity is already there. For example, you mentioned about the genotyping abroad. If, for example, there was um, some uh, institution in USA who was willing to do these tests at a reduced cost or free of charge, then we can link in with our uh, hospital or doctors within my group to say, can we send the samples to this institution um, rather than people individually having to pay $250, which I say, you know, it's a, court, a lot of money for those families as it stands. Um, so that, that from abroad will be useful. 
other things that will be useful from abroad would be supply of, for example, physiotherapy things, um, the aerobica, uh, acapella, some little devices which are in the UK, we get it for 60, 70 pounds, for example. Uh, the price may be different. Uh, it may be about 70, 80 dollars, for example, equivalent to. But that again is a large amount of money. And even some adults are doing percussion, for example, which is not appropriate uh, a form of physiotherapy. Um, so it is some of that equipment for physiotherapy and simple devices. And for example, I went last December, I took you with me, Aerobica, which I got a few years ago. Aerobica company gave me 10 devices, which I took out to give to the people. So I do share that out with people as far as possible, but it's very difficult to carry that on through for everybody. And the United States being a bigger country with large number, you know, about 30 RCF patients and huge pharmaceutical industry there, they may be in a better position to afford to uh, donate some of these things. Um, and I could, you know, provide links to who to send it to, and we, we know which people may benefit from it. So it is sort of those. And then there's the medicines. For example, there are people who join some of the CF Facebook groups and they've linked in with some people and um, some organizations. Um, I think it's the uh, CF Worldwide as well, who have uh, a center in Iran, for example. And some people travel from Pakistan to Iran to be seen and assessed. And they've been able to get uh, track after, for example. Um, but there's no monitoring of anybody there, for example, you know, no monitoring for um, eye checks, liver tests, or those sort of things, or what to do. So experience is lacking in Pakistan as well. Um, so sometimes medicines are available or may be made available to people, but there's no monitoring uh, for safe administration of these medicines. Uh, but if they were available, then we can ask certain groups of people to link in with others and seek advice and do that. Um, I know it's hugely expensive and nobody can afford the modulator treatments in Pakistan, but I know a couple of families who actually have got it. Um, and one who hasn't benefited from it at all and stopped doing it. Other one also had liver function abnormalities and they had to stop. But that's why there is a need for somebody locally to actually be monitoring those uh, side effects as well, not just dishing out and somebody you think will get better and they get liver disease as a complication of the, of the medication. Um, so any help with the treatment, any help with medicines, uh, any help with testing uh, and that genetic testing mostly because people may be able to do the fecal last days. It is still expensive, but that's not as expensive as the genotyping. Um, that, that if you are able to explore, that would be useful for those families. And money donation wise, I said, we want to set up something. So it's a it's foundation trust some things. So it's a officially set up thing before um, I invite people from outside to say, look, this our charity donated. Currently we're doing it and we within the group are doing it. And my friends are contributing, for example, but it's a small number at the moment. And I don't want to advertise it to you because people start asking, you know, what, how do you know, how do you monitor, how do you assess? Uh, and at the moment, because we haven't got that set up, it's just that those who are very close friends who trust me or trust the people we sending the money to are able to do it rather than just opening up to anybody. So um, at the moment, what I do is uh, I travel fairly regularly to Pakistan. I make an effort to go a couple of times a year. And uh, during each visit, I take up the opportunity to 
go and visit my medical colleagues where there are some patients. For example, I have traveled to Karachi, Lahore, Islamabad, Sargoda, um, and Faisalabad. These are the five major cities in Pakistan that I've actually visited where I've been holding the clinics there whenever I have the opportunity. Uh, and in our next podcast, we will discuss my work uh, in particular during my last visit in Pakistan. I really appreciate the Cystic Fibrosis Research Institute in helping us to raise the awareness of cystic fibrosis in Pakistan and across the world. And I'm sure this will be, bring lots of benefit to the families uh, with children with cystic fibrosis in Pakistan. And I hope that we can uh, build upon uh, this further in our uh, future encounters and perhaps dwell into other um, facilities that may be provided in through your institution or through organizations abroad. So thank you very much indeed for your time and efforts.